You're about to listen to an episode of Childhood Remastered. Check out our website at childhoodremastered.com for information on how to subscribe and where to find us on social media. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another edition of Childhood Remastered. This is the podcast where we look back on the cartoons and TV shows and movies and whatnot of our youth and see if they're still worth a damn. Or not. Or not, which is far too often the case. But you know what is not the case with the show that we're going to be looking at today? Oh no. No, not at all. No, no. (laughs) Today uh, we are continuing our series on the Disney Afternoon... With the second show in the Disney Afternoon lineup, which is... DuckTales! DuckTales! Woo! Life is like a hurricane here in Duckbird. Race cars, lasers, aeroplanes. It's a duck blur. Might solve a mystery. Alright, so let's jump right into it. What do you remember about this show? So much, so much. This <laughs> show is this, so much. Is this your favorite show of all time? My favorite, like, like animated show? Car- yeah, cartoon. One of, I, I have, you know me, I, like, I'm very waffly. I have a hard time with, like, number ones. Uh, if I had to do a number one animated series, this is a, a top contender. <laughs> uh, very top contender. I have a lot of vivid, vivid memories of these episodes uh, episodes that we're not going to cover today, but I very much remember. And ones that we did that I was like, oh, I already knew this was coming before it happened. Uh, it's yeah. it, it was very much, I have distinct memories of watching it with my little brother, actually. Uh, I have distinct memories playing the Nintendo game. I have distinct memories of watching it in syndication later when it was on the Disney Channel. Uh, yeah, a lot of fond memories of DuckTales. Yeah, I, I, I definitely watched it in its first runs as well. Um, it, the show is, it it's funny for me because so much of that first, so this is sort of typical of, car, it's sort of typical of cartoons of its time where the first season. Is like this they, what we were talking yeah, about a couple so, days ago? Yeah, yeah. so yeah. The, first, the first season of a lot of these shows, a lot of these shows from like the 80s and, and the early 90s, uh, the, the companies like Disney invested a whole lot into the beginning of it. They, they really wanted to sell it. So the first seasons of these shows are like 65, 70, 80 episodes long. Almost always those 65. Yeah. That was what we were talking about. Yeah. So you have, so the point in all this is that I remember a lot of the, a lot of these episodes, but I don't remember that they were all part of the first season. And essentially every, like every t- subsequent viewing of it was like a rerun that I had seen. Yeah, basically. Yeah, so like the first the first season went from 87 to 88 and or it was, it was September 18, 1987 yeah. is when it premiered and the whole thing the show ended its last it aired its last episode November 28th, 1990. Yeah, and it and four seasons, 100 episodes. 
Yeah, and the uh, we were we were talking about it the other day where the first the first season is sixty five episodes, and then it goes it's sixty five, and then ten, and then thirteen, and then seven. Yes, it, it, it's a weird it's weird numbering. And the last seven, the first I think three or four episodes were originally supposed to be part of the season before it. Yeah. They they held it until, well, basically until the next season, so they had a few more to work into the reruns. Yeah. So what we're drinking today is uh, Fuller's London Pride. And I'm assuming it's in homage of... Uh... It's actually just a beer I wanted to drink, so that's oh, why okay, I bought never it. never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like so, London, UK, so Scotland. Scrooge, no, well, Scrooge McDuck is Scottish, and I originally wanted to do Scotch. And uh, and I went to the, to the store, and the truth is, is like, I only like good Scotch, but I'm also cheap. So <laughs> those two things aren't usually compatible. No, they don't they're not compatible. So my favorite scotch is is a is usually about $100 a bottle and I just didn't want to spend that. And so I said, "Eff it, I'm buying beer." <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, that makes sense. So then I I decided to go take a look at what kind of Scottish beers they had and they didn't have a good selection for what I wanted and I just said, "I don't know what I want." And then I saw London uh the Fuller's London Pride which I love. I said, "Eff it, I'm just going to buy what I want." So I just that's what I got. Oh, well. yeah. So that was like my ser- my serpentine mental process. And you know what? It's uh, when the today when we're recording, it's a very hot day where I live. Um, yeah, it's in the nineties. We got the AC on, the fans all blasting. Yeah, so it's, it's maybe almost. I think almost ten degrees hotter here than it is at my house. Yeah. So this this nice, cool, refreshing beer really. Uh, it's gonna help today. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's still hot at my house too, uh, but. So yeah, anyway, no, it's it's hot. Yeah. Anyway, back to back to Ducktales. So I I had a lot of vivid memories of this show too. Like I said, it was weird for me to looking back on it now realize that all these vivid memories are all from a show's first season because typically when you watch a show, at least in my experience, you don't really remember like the first season, there especially is, on a show that yeah. like lasts a couple seasons. Like the first season is something you that just sort of launches the show and then it really starts hitting its stride later on and that's the shows that you remember once it really gets its footing and gets going there's also there i think there's maybe only one character that is huge that uh is not going to be covered in this week's but we're actually doing ducktales for two weeks yeah so next week we're going to be covering our own favorite episodes yeah because this show is so big and so and there's so much to talk about. Yeah, we're not even going to discuss certain things this week that we are going to discuss next week. Yeah. Uh, so what we a... what we did for for these episodes is these first this first podcast episode we're going to talk about the initial arc, the first five episodes of the show. Which I don't know if you remember when we first were. Well, gosh, it's been almost a year. No, maybe about a year ago we were already recording episodes. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, we had already recorded. I don't know, maybe six or seven episodes. Maybe ten episodes, something like that. About a year, yeah. Yeah, about a year ago. Um, and we, when we were originally planning out like our shows that we were going to watch, Ducktales was one that we originally talked about. And right from the bat, do you remember? I I told you I have specific episodes I want to watch. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. And and that's those are the ones we're covering today. The first this, five episode arc. Yeah. This this show was much more your baby than it was mine. Not that I didn't like it. I, no. I actually have a lot of fond memories of it. I mean, a lot of memories. A lot Kid of shows. This was my version of your Ghostbusters. Yeah. Which, which you're still watching on Netflix. I, I am still watching Ghostbusters on Netflix, and it's and I'm really uh, <laughs> I'm really getting my nostalgia glasses 
blown up because as I'm watching it, I can see the quality of certain episodes. Just take a nosedive. I actually texted Chris the other night because I was watching and I said, oh my God, this episode, watch this episode. It is so bad. It is so and bad. And they did. I, and it was wise. pretty bad. Uh, because it goes from being, it goes from being like halfway decent, at least in Ghostbusters, it goes from being like halfway decent animation to these two episodes, which are just God awful, horrible. Design. And then it goes back to good again. Yeah, then it goes back to really good. I'm like, what the hell happened in these two episodes? Some outsourced production company yeah. in Taiwan or something like messed up the animation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this show, I don't think we're going to have that problem. No, it's, uh, it's actually, it's actually consistently great animation. Yeah. Really, really good animation. Uh, this move, uh, this show had a theatrical spinoff film that we will cover another time. We're I'm, we're just going to briefly mention it's called Ducktales: The Movie Treasure of the Lost Lamp, uh, and its U.S. release was August third, nineteen ninety. Uh, I really, hopefully, we'll get to this one later at some point because uh, I actually have a lot to talk about with this one. Yeah, um, and we can kind of work that back into My Little Pony and some other things with TV movies and stuff, but. Yeah, the, the fourth and last season only had seven episodes that we talked about, and those first three. It was the first three that were supposed to be part of the third season. But so obviously, you picked episodes that that I that for next week's. Yeah, I did. Um, but do you remember this original story arc? I absolutely do. And you know what's funny is I don't remember it being the initial. I don't either. I, I always thought it happened like in the middle of the show. Yeah, because because the initial thing it's a five parter, which is. Random for a cartoon. You don't normally see five parters. You see two parters. No. You see two parters, maybe. Not in like a serialized 20 minute Disney car, like any kind of cartoon. So, and they did this multiple times. There was There's a there four were, parter, and there a two was, parter, a three parter. There was a, a couple other, there's a couple of the five parters yeah. later in seasons. So, just the, the episodes on their own. I remember them, but I don't necessarily remember them being part of an arc. And maybe that's why I don't remember it being the first. I remember them episodes. being part of an arc, but I don't remember them being shown in this order. I felt like it was like one and then something else happened and then another and then something. I felt like that kind of happened. Maybe the last two episodes like butted up together or something. Yeah, because they don't... I don't remember it being like the first five episodes. Because um, it, the, overall, like they, they have definite carryover. Each episode carries over to the next one. But just if you're not paying attention, you wouldn't. I mean, if you weren't paying attention to the title cards to know that it was part two, like every episode ends with to be continued, to be continued. Yeah. But if you weren't paying attention to that, you wouldn't necessarily think that they were related until you got to like the last episode. No. And there are other episodes that, that I've watched that I thought were part of the arc originally. I remember them being part of the arc as a kid. And now as an adult, I've watched them and I'm like, wait, they have nothing to do with each other. There are like 20 episodes from now. There's no connection. There's, yeah. But, you know, that's what happens. Like, your mind drifts. What is this, 27 years later? <laughs> uh, you know. Longer? Yeah. 87? No, well, 1990. I'm thinking. Oh, so, 90. from 1990 to 2017, uh, we're talking, you know, 27 years worth of mental drift. <laughs> yeah. Uh, bunch, so, of, bunch of uh, Mandela effects. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Bernstein, Bernstein. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... We mentioned this a little bit with Gummy Bears. Uh, we, we're, we're covering the Disney Afternoon, and the, the first shows that we had were Gummy Bears, and now DuckTales, and then Chippendale Rescue Rangers, and then Tailspin, in that order, the first year. And then the lineup changed later because uh, the Disney Afternoon, um, really, it, it happened 
what, in 89, 90? Yeah. And so uh, it was only on the lineup for one year. Same thing with Gummy Bears, and the lineup changed. Yeah, because the these, these shows were already kind of established shows yeah. that got, in their last season or so, got thrown on the Disney afternoon. Yeah, as like established franchises to bring people in to watch yeah, the rest it, of the lineup. They were, they were essentially the anchors yeah. of that show that you would come to watch you would come to watch Disney Afternoon because those, your favorite shows were on it. They yeah. They moved to it. And, it. and it ran um, in the Disney Afternoon technically until 92. In syndication. In syndication, but uh, continued to run in syndication on other channels until almost the year 2000. Dang. Yeah. So, for those who don't know, DuckTales is a story, it's a cartoon show about a guy named Uncle Scrooge. Scrooge McDuck. Scrooge McDuck, who is part of the Duck universe of Disney cartoons uh, created by Carl Barks. Uh, it's a comic book. Yeah. Going back to like what the... 50s. 52. 52, yeah. Yeah, 1952. It was... Uh, he was first introduced in uh, Four Color Comics number 386, March of 52. Yeah. It's a and spinoff it, of the popular Donald Duck series. Yeah, and if, you, if, if you've if you ever have occasion to pick up some of those comics... They're cool. They're cool, but you'll find that if you've watched DuckTales first, and then you go into reading those comics... Scrooge McDuck is an asshole in those comics. He's an absolute ass. He's almost like the antagonist of the comic books. Uh, sort of. I, I mean, there are certain parts of his personality style, but there are... They, they toned him down a lot for, yeah. the, for DuckTales. They, cause, they did, Because yeah. Scrooge in the comic books is super greedy, which he is in, the, he is in DuckTales, but he's like greedy to a fault. He's manipulative. He, well, in the comics and in the show, he values money more than anything except for his family, but... Sometimes initially he'll put money before family, realize he was wrong, and then put family first. Yeah. And sometimes that leads to kerfuffles, if you will, that then have to be solved. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's kind of what of, happens in these first five episodes. Sort of. Yeah. Well, especially the, the fifth one. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but you know the the character was created by Carl Barks, and then Barks, I, I guess he worked on the show also, and a bunch of his Scrooge ideas did get adapted into specific episodes of DuckTales. Well, that's good. Um, yeah, and he, he worked for Disney Studios and Western Publishing, so he didn't just create Scrooge, he created Duckburg and uh, the Beagle Boys and the Junior Woodchucks, the Gyro, uh, Flintheart Glumgold. There's a character he... Uh, Magicka Dispel. And, and Fantagraphics books uh, referred to him as, quote, the Hans Christian Andersen of comic books. Yeah, he uh, essentially created every, almost every Duck character, uh, save like Donald Duck and Daisy, like in the Disney universe, yeah. he created them. John D. Rocker Duck. Uh, yeah. Which, was he like a... Cornelius Coot. John D. Rocker Duck was like another villain-ish. I was going to say, was he was he like a rival to, yeah. to Scrooge? Sort of, yeah. I mean, Glumgold is for sure his rival, but uh, the show itself was developed by uh, Jim Megan, who we mentioned last week in our coverage of Gummy Bears. Uh, as he was a co-creator for that show, and he's done a bunch of other stuff. Uh, the theme music is done by uh, Mark Mueller, who we also mentioned uh, for Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Yeah, and, um, and the theme music did, is probably one of the most memorable things about the show. Yes. If you if you go into a room of anybody, if you go into a room where there's a group of people who are, I would say, between the ages of like 25 and 35, and you went, DuckTales! Yeah. And they would was, all respond with, woo it was so iconic. I can't. I feel like so many people probably at least know the song, but don't even know the show. That's yeah. how like prevalent it became. It was sung by this guy named uh, Jeff Paschetto or Jeffrey Paschetto. Uh, he's a musical artist who's mostly just noted 
for um, this Australian single called You're the Voice, and then this. He, he's written in, in, in sung songs for, for movies. Um, he, he worked on License to Kill and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. He also contributed uh, music to Tekken 5 as a sound designer. Interesting. Um, but mostly just known for DuckTales. Oh, it's not uh, a bad thing. Which is not a bad more. thing. Um, there's actually four versions of the theme song. The original version, uh, which is kind of the opening, contained just one verse, a chorus, a bridge, and then a chorus. There's a shorter version of the opening theme that, that was used in the Disney Afternoon lineup uh, with the line, Every day they're out there making DuckTales was taken out. Um, which is not un- which is not uncommon. Duck, uh, yeah. Darkwing Duck, when we covered that one, Darkwing Duck's theme song was very long initially, and then when it got put on the Disney Afternoon, it was short and considerable. Well, DuckTales has a third version that's like that. It's a full-length version uh, that was released on the Disney Afternoon soundtrack. Uh, the third volume, which was released in a set with the other two volumes um, in the music of Disney, A Legacy and Song, along with the full longer version of Tailspin. And, and so it, there's a much longer version. And then the full version contains a second verse and it includes a guitar solo, which is performed uh, with like a wah-wah pedal um, to kind of make it sound like duck noises, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, there's also like a rare extended version that was used in the reading along, uh, the read-along cassettes in 87. Do you remember the read-along books? I had one. It was awesome. I didn't have those. I, you know... If I had if I had a book, it was one of those like it was one of those like golden spine Disney books. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I had a bunch of those too. I I, uh, I definitely like, had like a twenty cassette. pages long. <laughs> I had like oh, two yeah. sentences on each page. I well, my dad still he had um, those old kids books that would come with records like old forty fives, and so like I learned to read some on those actually, and huh. then uh, and then this uh, I, I remember specifically like the the cassette read-along ducktales i think yeah. i think my parents got it at a garage sale or something yeah i did not um, i did not have those no i just yeah. watched the show there's so i mean you mentioned the 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 theme song and and like how popular it is so dan fletcher of time magazine uh actually mentioned quote some of the lyrics might not make sense to those older than the age of 10 we're not sure how life in duckburg is like quote a hurricane or exactly what a duck blur is but the ducktail song is still awesome uh and i kind of agree yeah you, uh, don't, you don't need to have it's kind of nonsensical but who gives a shit yeah, i mean so, it's, it's too so fun. is benny and the jets that song doesn't make any sense at all when you look at the lyrics no yeah that's true benny and the jets is kind of ridiculous yeah. but it's a fun song yeah sing along exactly to. i so the composer for the show uh ron jones uh episode music scores uh were written by him and there's a, a couple other people who did like synthesized cues and additional music and stuff uh, Steve Zuckerman, uh, Thomas Jace Jones, and Steve Rucker, uh, who I'm not going to really get into because they didn't do like the bulk of the, you know, name brand kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, the show is based in Duckburg. Duckburg, yeah. Which is which is to me the the duck universe is is funny to me because Duckburg is obviously named after ducks, and when you look at the inhabitants of Duckburg, I want to say they're mostly dog people, not ducks. They're like, because uh, mm. it's it's the anthrop- yeah. it's the anthropomorphic Disney animal universe. Well, that's because there are other towns. So it's it's the fictional city of Duckburg is in a fictional state of Calisota, and Duckburg has a couple of rival cities uh, in Calisota, like Mouseton and the rival city of Goosetown. Okay. And so, like, there are other animals that live in other cities, and so I think that's like kind of the way to explain it. The other major writer for DuckTales, um, the comics, is a guy who kind of took over for Barks named Don Rosa. 
Um, he's also like a comic artist too. Um, he put out a map in one of the comic series in the early '90s showing Duckburg to be north of San Francisco, um, where essentially Eureka, California, is. And we were just talking before we went on that the that originally in the comics Scrooge had made his fortune in the gold rush in California, which Eureka. Like, I found gold, whatever. Yeah, Eureka is named after, like, <laughs> Eureka! Yeah. Like, finding gold, you yeah. know? Uh, so, and that's actually, I think that's California's motto. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Eureka. We should well, know, we live here. I know, right? <laughs> uh, well, and the other thing, too, is, like, you can sort of tell because the weather. Mm-hmm. Like, it never snows there. Um, and if it does, there's something, ma- like, magical going on. Uh, and then, then the other thing with Duckburg is something that I was reading about it. I didn't put in any of the notes, but something that I was reading was that the size of Duckburg, uh, and you'll definitely notice it if you like to look for it. Duckburg actually seems to change size quite a bit based upon the kind of story that they want to tell. Well, yeah. Just so like- sometimes they want to tell a story that makes Duckburg seem like a small town. And then other times they want it to seem like a big metropolitan city. There's one where, uh, Gyro Gearloose, he... He makes Duckburg this futuristic city, like hundreds of years in the future, mm-hmm. uh, that like nobody likes, and it's this big sprawling metropolis. And then they revert it back to like a smaller town. But then in other other episodes, you have like large high rises and you know that kind of stuff. Well, it's just it's like, weird, though. It's just know? like in the first episode. In the first episode, uh, Scrooge has to go to his chocolate factory, and he is walking there on foot from his mansion. And he realizes, like, oh crap, you know, I have a, I have an appointment at this time, and if I don't, the, the, the gag is, is that he doesn't want to spend money on anything. He's a complete miser. He's a, he's a penny pincher, and he realizes that if he doesn't spend money and get a taxi, he's going to be late. But it's a small enough town that he can walk from his, his house to one of the businesses that he owns, in a matter of like. And minutes. his home is very isolated, so... Yeah, his home is, like, in Beverly, the Beverly Hills of... Uh, but, like, way more isolated, someplace far away. Yeah. I, like, did you notice, but I, we'll just kind of segue here for a second uh, into this first episode. We'll discuss the characters in a minute, but I, I really liked how, as he's walking along... Do you remember, he, he's walking along to his appointment, and um, somebody's, like, trying to... Uh, offer him free samples yeah and he doesn't want them until he finds out that they're free but then all of a sudden as soon as he finds out they're free he takes all well, of he, them. he asks if he can have more than one and she says yes and he snags all of them yes and then when he takes the taxi that you're talking about he tips the guy with blocks of cheese out of his hat yeah that he's been storing like in his hat with his hat on his head which is kind of gross yeah, and, and later um, on in that episode when ducksworth comes in to the to the boys and he had, he's like, oh, I have something for you. And they say something like, if it's more cheese samples, you're going to wear them or something like that. Yeah, it's something like that. I think, like, they just wanted real food. Uh, yeah. Because Scrooge is so cheap, he, like, doesn't even want to pay for food. Yeah. Um, this is a good point. We can just mention um, who Scrooge McDuck is. We, we kind of discussed it. Um, but he's voiced by Alan Young. And Alan Young is basically the only person, save David Tennant, who has ever voiced scrooge mcduck yeah david Tennant, by the way is the new voice of scrooge mcduck because alan young uh died may 19th of last year at the age of 96 yeah he hung in there Um, and we mentioned him when we did our mickey's christmas carol uh episode yeah um he's mostly just known for being scrooge mcduck uh for me he's so tied to this character that i'm not sure how i'll be able to watch the remake yeah with him with david Tennant, and david Tennant is scottish yeah, and I mean, Alan Young was Scottish. But I mean, like, David Tennant is Scottish, and he's got a good voice for it. 
It's yeah. so it, it'll be I interesting to see how yeah, it works. It'll be interesting. I've seen the the previews and stuff. Um, I I'm cautiously optimistic. It looks kind of cool. Um, by the way, it there's a, well, I'll, you know, what? actually, no, I'll, I'll mention that in a minute. I, yeah. I'm gonna hold that for a second. Um, yeah. so Alan Young, he had his own variety and sketch comedy show on radio and TV in the 40s and 50s, and he got two Emmys for those. So he has he had had a long, or he had a, a good career in. In like acting yeah. and, and and comedy and stuff before he got hooked up in 1983 with the voice of Scrooge McDuck because that's the first film depiction of Scrooge McDuck, the first voicing of him outside of like comic books. So Huey, Dewey, and Louie are the next characters I want to mention. Mm-hmm. Um, until I was working on this, I have never known which color each of them was. Are you serious? I'm serious, and that is me who like watched a like ridiculous amount of ducktails as a kid <laughs> i could never 100 percent figure it out like i'm like is huey blue or is he green turns out huey's the red one dewey's the blue one and louie's the green one how did you not know that i don't know <laughs> i have no idea i mean they, okay so huey dewey and louie if you've never seen the show are voiced by the same person in the exact same tone of voice it's like if you've ever seen the old 1950s uh chipmunks cartoons it, it's the same thing. It's all the same voice with with no change in inflection yes, it's, or anything. It's voiced by Russie Taylor, uh, who we briefly also mentioned on our coverage of Christmas Carol uh, because of who her husband is, Wayne Alwyn, uh, who was the longest voice Mickey. Mm-hmm. He was the one who was Mickey Mouse, and I think he died in 2009, maybe diabetes or something. Um, he died, but she's the voice of Minnie Mouse, and she has been since 1986, and the two of them were married Mickey and Minnie, and it's like kind of sad. Cause yeah. Mickey Mouse died, you know. Uh, but she was also the OG voice of Strawberry Shortcake, which I really want us to cover. Oh, Jesus. Uh, it's going to be terrible. So Huey, Dewey, and Louie are... They, they're older characters. They're they're characters from... From the comics. From the comics. They were also featured a lot in the the Disney Donald Duck shorts. The car, short cartoons, theatrical cartoons. Yeah. Um, in those, though, they were usually identical. They usually wore the same outfit. There was a thing at the time of characters and and we were we were actually when i was watching this kathy was watching it with me or she was just she was in the room i was watching it earlier today and she brought up like so i think she asked like like are those donald's sons and i said no you know that's what makes that's what made goof troop or uh, the goofy movie when we went over the goofy movie that's what made goofy so unique in the disney universe is he is the only character that has a direct line son Goofy's the only character that you can honestly say have like Disney character has had sex because everyone else has nephews and that was something maybe they just didn't want their cartoon. I'm so characters. glad you mentioned this maybe, because yeah, Donald maybe. Duck is their actual uncle. Yeah, Scrooge is Donald's uncle, so he's their great uncle. So grand he's uncle. their their grand uncle, great uncle. But whatever. who is their kid? Uh, I mean, uh, who is their parents? I have no who are their idea. Parents? It's Donald Duck's brother or sister yeah um and you know what the answer is probably somewhere back in the mythos of of disney like theatrical shorts where he first got saddled with them i'm gonna try and look it up uh, but, for next week because it's not something that i i looked into yeah but, but, but donald, it's something that's been bothering me donald is basically their paternal parent like he is oh, yeah, their yeah, he yeah. is their father in well, everything other than actuality. Sort of, though, because like this, the first episode opens up with Donald going off to join the Navy and leaving the three kids with Scrooge, who doesn't want to watch children. Yeah, but and he's the only person... Donald says he's the only person I could trust with them. Yeah, and, and it's it's kind of... 
it ends up becoming like, uh, you know, Donald will come in and out of episodes throughout the show, and they're always really excited to, to meet Uncle Donald, almost as if he was their surrogate father, but Scrooge ends up being their surrogate father. You know, he feeds them, he clothes them, he takes them on adventures, he teaches them life lessons, he is, uh, for all intents and purposes, the... Um, the male role model for yeah. Huey, Dewey, and Louie. At one point, at one point, I think it was in the first episode, first or second episode, Scrooge asks them, Didn't your Uncle Donald teach you anything? Sure. How to play ball. How to cross the street. And how to avoid strangers. Come on. And he, like, they were talking about, like, all the things that he, that you would assume, like, a, like father, a dad would do. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he's asking them about, about, oh, he didn't teach you about business and how to make money and this and that. And they're like, no, he taught us how to, like, be kids and play and, and have fun. And he taught us what it was, he taught us what it was like to feel loved. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> so, you know, it, and Scrooge I was just like, you don't need to be loved. You need a bank account. <laughs> yeah. I was actually thinking about this at one point. In uh, I want to say it's like the fourth episode or the one the one with the uh, the one that takes place in Antarctica. Yeah, it's fourth episode. So the fourth episode where they have the tuning fork and they use it to like shake the house. Uh huh. In that episode, as the house is shaking, there is a a panning shot where it goes over the like the main room of or either the main room or like so like the big living room entryway. Yeah, that and they have and house. one of the scenes that it, that gets panned over is is a picture of three ducks and one of them is Scrooge. So I assumed that that was Scrooge and his brothers because they all kind of looked similar as similar as like cartoon ducks can be. And one of them kind of looked like Donald. So I assumed that that was Donald's father, which would be, you know, Scrooge's brother, which would be the reason that he's. So then the question is, is what if I'm just putting this out there. I've not looked anything up about this, by the way. What if that is the original Donald duck? And Donald Duck is the son of the original Donald Duck. That would make the Donald in this show Donald Duck Jr. Ah. ah. And then the third brother, whoever the hell that is, uh, would have been the grandfather of uh, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Or, or may, you know what I mean? It could be something along the lines of that. Or it's Donald Duck's brother or sister whose parents were also uh, the original Donald Duck. I Again, I'm just shitting out here out of my ass. So I don't know if this is like, if I'm on to anything... But but we'll we'll look it up. We'll discuss it maybe next week. I I, uh, I actually just looked it up. <laughs> oh, you did. I did. You ruined it, you fool. <laughs> it's actually a mystery. It is. Yeah, Donald Ducks or Donald might Duck. solve a mystery or yeah. rewrite history, Sean. Yeah, exactly. I'm rewriting history. You That's have, what I'm doing. You have. They mention Donald or they mention Huey, Dewey, and Louie's mother, whose name is Della Duck. But their father is unknown, and in the in well, the, maybe Della was into like group. In the duck or family tree, his family portrait is covered by another bird. <laughs> That's that. so. It's like an intentional mystery. Yeah, it's, the father is question mark duck. Yeah, I'm just gonna go off of uh, uh, Della was into some weird uh, group sex, and they produce Huey, Dewey, and Louie, and they don't know who the father is. It's a big Maury episode. The end. <laughs> There's there's a letter that Della sends to Donald that's from the cartoon short named Donald's Nephews in 1938. The letter reads, Dear Donald, I am sending you angel nephews, Louie, Huey, and Dewey, to stay with you while their father is in the hospital. A giant firecracker exploded under his chair. 
The little darlings are so playful. I hope you enjoy them. Your cousin, Della. So wait, it's her cousin. Apparently? That's what it says on the... Okay, so if it's cousin, that means... Because Scrooge has three... He's got two other... We assume Scrooge has two siblings, right? Yeah. So that means one of them is Donald Duck Sr. The other one is Mystery Whoever, who had a kid, is Della, who's the mother of these kids. Okay, that makes... Some, so that would actually make Donald Duck their second uncle? I guess so. This gets too damn complicated. Let's move on. I yeah. can't. My brain's going to yeah. just not handle this. <laughs> let's, let's. The, the next character, the, the child character is Webby or Webigail, who's also voiced by Rusty Taylor. She's this female child character that's like, she's never sort of accepted by them. And she's also kind of whiny. Well, I mean, um, it, it makes sense because the three boys are supposed to be like 10 or 11 eight. years old. I, I've yeah. always thought they were supposed to be like yeah. 8 to 10. They're, they're young. They're young, like young kids. And she's like three or four because she like, in several episodes, Webby uh, carts around like a, a stuffed animal. Yeah. Uh, later in some of the other episodes. So and they don't like her because she's a lot younger than them and she's a girl and these are like 10 year old boys who are like, ew, girl, I don't want to play with her. Yeah. I She, sometimes I found her to be annoying. Uh, oh, from she's what absolutely I, From what I hear... The new show, because uh, at the moment that we're recording this, it's not out yet. Yeah. Uh, the new show, Webby is supposed to be a much bigger part, which I kind of like, uh, because in she is the only she is the only like female surrogate stand-in. Like, if you have a little girl watching the show, she's the like surrogate. Yeah, person. and and in some of the episodes that we watch, she does help. Oh yeah, the, she's uh, like, like quite a bit. It's just that they make her whiny almost uh, to justify Huey, Dewey, and Louie being a dick to her. And they do warm up to her. Eventually, but they still kind of make fun of her for being a girl and yeah. all this other stuff. So, uh, I mean, I guess you could just chalk it up to, well, this is 87. Uh, you, you've also got um, Mrs. Beakley, the the maid or, or nanny. Or what, is, what is... What she's is, she's, she's called grandma. The, she, uh, Scrooge calls her the governess. I think so. Yeah, that's a that's an old it's uh, an old English. Well, way. yeah, it's essentially she's, a nanny she's and a teacher. Grandma. Yeah, it's a yeah. nanny and a teacher because, and I thought about this, Huey, Dewey, and Louie never go to school. If if you have a governess, a governess is supposed to be your teacher as well as your caretaker. So I'm assuming, and in one of the episodes too, when they go to Antarctica, I think I think that's the one. Uh, Mrs. Beakley says, "Well, this will be very educational for the boys." Because yeah, she's, their, to be she's like essentially their teacher. Yeah, it's... Um, how do you... I don't know. Mrs. Beakley has moments that that are... It's like she's got some sort of stealth stealth magic. Yeah. That, you know, and like then she, other times she's like a bumbling idiot. She seems to be kind of all over the map. She's whatever um, the... Uh, she's whatever the, uh, the... The episode needs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And she's voiced by uh, Joan Gerber, who... Uh, if you go way back, did Freddy the Flute on H.R. Puffin Stuff, which she claims is her favorite role. And she was, uh, the Queen of Oz in the half-hour 1980 animated Dorothy Land of Oz, uh, animated show. I, here, I'm gonna show you a picture. Do you remember this at all? Not one bit. Not one bit. Uh, <laughs> not I, one bit. I do, uh, and it is not great. I remember. From what I remember, and I God rem- only knows. I remember Return to Oz... I remember maybe something else, but I don't not I do not remember that one. Okay, yeah. Well, I I, I put a a link to the description, uh, yeah. a we'll, YouTube link for that. We'll put that. We'll put that. Yeah, in the we'll show put it too. in there. Uh, her most challenging voice role apparently was all the children in a Japanese tra- train wreck for a Godzilla television episode, which I thought was hilarious. What the uh, hell? 
Um, also, she was in a show called Capital Critters. Do you remember this? It is the weirdest concept for a show ever. It was one of those shows that was put out to be like a Simpsons uh, clone. Like one of those shows during the, the early 90s, late 80s to try and copy the success of The Simpsons. And what it is 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 some rats that emigrate to Washington, D.C., and they, like, live in the White House or something. And it only had, I think, like, six or eight episodes or something. Oh, my God, I remember this show. It's it's so weird. I watched a couple clips on YouTube um, when I found this. Oh, and, I totally uh, remember this it show. Is, it's something special. Uh, I'll put a Wikipedia link to it also. Uh, it's it's what just the hell. It's oh. just so bizarre. Don't um, you love it when you're when you're <laughs> when you're looking at one show and it takes you down this. That's what. Ha- that's hole. why this takes me so long to do is because like I end up like jumping down and like watching clips of stuff and then so that I can I don't know sort of remember and also I just kind of go nutty on stuff. Yeah. Well, but, so the next character is Ducksworth the ba- the butler. Um, yeah. He is uh, at the same time he's he is a dog. The butler and yeah. he is. Uh, Scrooge's chauffeur, and he is just a sort of general man about the the, the duck mansion. Yeah, he's a, the chauffeur and a kind of errand boy for the kids. He's the only house servant until uh, Mrs. Beakley comes on. Uh, his only real starring role is on an episode called Duckworth's Revolt, and the F, uh, the episode segment uh, Take Me Out of the Ball Game. Uh, he first appeared in the first part of the pilot episode, um, and he's kind of a not so important character for the most part, but uh, I do remember certain episodes where he kind of plays a role, but there's not yeah. very many of them. No, he's he's um, he's essentially a background character. He's voiced by Chuck McCann, uh, who's done tons of TV and voice work going back to the '60s. He did make an appearance in one of our favorite, doc- my favorite documentaries, The Aristocrats, uh, which is a 2005 documentary about the the dirtiest joke. It's a vaudeville joke, yeah, called The Aristocrats. Um, aristocrats. That's what I said. Yeah, not aristocrats. Yeah, aristocrats. Yeah. Uh, just be forewarned that it's an impromptu joke. The comedians tell like an inside joke where uh, they freeform the middle section of the joke to make it as dirty and vile and disgusting as possible. Yeah. Without repeating themselves, I think um, Bill Murray once held like a like there was a, an aristocrats like uh, competition at Bill Murray's house, uh, according to mythos. And he had a version of the aristocrats joke that lasted, I think like 18 minutes Jesus. or something. But, yeah. but watch if you, if you're open to it, watch the documentary. It's I've seen really, the documentary. No, not you. I just oh. need the listeners. It's well, really funny. I just want you um, to know that I've seen the documentary. Oh, I know because we <laughs> talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the last character that gets the last main character that gets introduced in these first five episodes is Launchpad. Yeah. Launchpad. Uh, yeah. As a kid, he was my favorite. Yeah, he's he's really like he has some really funny lines. He does. He's probably the funniest character in the show, at least in the episodes that we watch. He he has a lot of like asides that he says like under his breath and like just little things. Yeah, I I, I have some that, that we can play. Uh, that's that's pretty funny as we I, go along. I, I I caught wind of one that I hope you caught because it has to do with who played. It has to do with who played him. It, it relates to. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I bet, I we'll bet you. Yeah. I, it, it's possible. The thing about Launchpad is he's he's Scrooge's pilot slash travel companion, as we've mentioned in Ducktail in a uh, Darkwing Duck, because he's also the pilot for Darkwing. Also, mm-hmm. um, he's actually a really talented uh, pilot. 
Um, but essentially, um, he doesn't know how to land. He can't fly a plane or anything without crashing it. Yet he survives every plane crash without any injury, and he's also capable of some aerial feats bordering on the impossible. Which in the Golden Goose episode part two is a really really good example. Uh, he can actually land a plane safely, but not all that often. Yeah. Um, his informal motto is, "If it has wings, I can crash it." And uh, you know, as we mentioned, he's a dark wing duck. The the McQuacks are it, Launchpad's family are actually uh, Irish. Uh, when Launchpad traveled with Scrooge to Ireland, he actually danced an Irish jig at a party. <laughs> um, and the McQuacks were not always aviators. They at one point he has some ancestors that were uh, there was a Civil War general, which has to do with uh, the episode I picked. It does, and we'll discuss that maybe a little more. Um, and it's voiced by Terry McGovern, and who. Met a guy by the uh, name of George Lucas, if you've heard of that guy. Um, and he started his film career in uh, a sort of unknown film, unless you're into George Lucas, uh, THX uh, 1138. Mm-hmm. He was credited, he's also credited credited as being the one who invented the word Wookiee. According to George Lucas, in a 1977 Rolling Stone interview, he's, he said, quote, we were riding along in the car one day, and Terry said... I think I ran over a Wookiee back there, and this really made me laugh and crack up. And I said, what is a Wookiee? And he said, I don't know. I just made it up. <laughs> so Wookiee was invented by Terry McGovern. So he uh, did various voice work uh, for Empire Strikes Back. He, like, voiced over, like, random characters and stuff. Um, he played the voiceover uh, director in Mrs. Doubtfire, the one who argues with Robin Williams' character in the beginning. Yeah. So if you watch Mrs. Doubtfire, you can see what Terry McGovern looks like. Um, because in Mrs. Doubtfire, Daniel, Robin Williams' character, is a voice actor um, who gets fired, basically, while he's trying to do a voice. I think he's voicing over Porky Pig or something. I'm trying to That's remember. It's been a long time since yeah. I've seen that movie. It hasn't been that long for me, but so a while. Do you yeah. want Do you want to talk about the 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 part that I was talking about? It was in episode five with Terry with Launchpad. Episode five. Yeah. Um, oh gosh. Um, Did you have a quote from Launchpad from episode five? <laughs> because I I I was laughing pretty hard when I heard him say it, and I was like, oh my god, it makes sense. I don't actually. All right, so. In episode five that we watched, uh, Launchpad is tasked with uh, the the plane that they're in is essentially sunk halfway in a river with the car. It's a big giant cargo on plane. the end of a yeah waterfall. on the end of a waterfall. So he's tasked with essentially getting the the plane unstuck, getting the water out, and getting it airborne so that he can that he can uh, rescue them when he sees the flare. So when he is when. When he is uh, swimming, he has two lines that I thought were funny. So he, he inflates a giant inflatable inner tube, and he's holding it up in his hands, and he goes... <laughs> now all I gotta do is anchor this baby to the shore, shut the doors, and pump the water out of her. <laughs> Boiler. Instant transportation. Suddenly, I uh, have this craving for a large cup of coffee. Because he's holding a giant donut? Yeah. So, that's not the one. Yeah, that was a groaner. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I laughed, I laughed. Yeah, I chuckled, so, but... So, then, he he has to take, like, the winch on the top of the plane over to the over to the side of the... the yeah, that's the when he gets bank. attacked by the snake. <laughs> so, that's what I'm talking about. So, as he's as he's going along in the inner tube with the, with the pulley, or with the... Uh, Whatever the winch hook. I like that hand motion you just made. Yeah, pretty, yeah. sorry. Go, no, it's he, okay. so Go ahead. 
A big anaconda pops up and he, he unless he wants yeah no, okay go yeah, ahead. No. A big anaconda <laughs> pops up and he goes yeah a snake no I hate snakes no it's somebody else I sort of like snakes. <laughs> the line okay yeah i thought it was funny and then like later on he has this like fight with the anaconda and then the the anaconda like pulls him underwater he ends up getting like spring spring slingshotted over and he's still holding on to the uh to to the the pulley or whatever and and then as he's like dangling over the waterfall he goes snakes i just oh. thought it was funny since it was sort of related to it George was like Lucas. A, yeah and indiana jones thing too yeah uh so let's just there's other characters that maybe we'll mention a little bit next episode because we're not going to get into them in these five episodes yeah I, I, you actually G- actually gyro is in the well gyro is very briefly in this and he's voiced by hal smith um and i guess uh let's discuss him more in a minute but gyro's like uh, scrooge's main inventor he actually invents uh gizmo duck who's a character that we may be covering next week. So we'll, we'll kind of hold off on that. Um, but the voice of uh, Gyros provided by Hal Smith, who is the voice of Flinhart Glumgold, who is Scrooge's main uh, antagonist. He's a Scottish guy. Uh, he's the second richest man in the world. Um, and they're always weird, competing they always, to be who's richer. They always um, say like he's the richest duck in the world, which makes me wonder if there's a richest dog in the world and the richest mouse in the world. Well, I'm going to discuss next week about why I am sure that Scrooge is the richest man on the planet. Uh, there is no question. There is no way. This is some weird alternate reality where every where gold must be everywhere. It is still worth billions, trillions of dollars. Yeah. So, um, Hal Smith is best known as Otis Campbell, the town drunk on the Andy Griffith show. We've mentioned him before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he is Goliath in Davy and Goliath, which we discussed <laughs> not that long ago. Sean's favorite. Davy and um, Goliath. They used to roll. Anybody who's old enough to remember teachers who had to roll in the TV thing. Yeah, that's they, what we were talking about. Yeah, so yeah. I, I went to I went to Catholic school for basically my entire grade school career. I'm so and, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I want to say like first or second grade. That's when we started watching Davy and Goliath, and they'd roll that thing in because Davy and Goliath. You gonna learn, son? Yeah. If you don't know, Davy and Goliath is a religious like Christian claymation show that. It's probably like five to seven minutes long and like teaches a moral at the end. It's like usually, a religious moral. Yeah, yeah, it's usually something very simple like don't lie to your parents. But they're always like oddly creepy. Well, yeah. I mean, when yeah. we watched them, I don't know for sure because I only ever watched them in black and white. I don't know if they were in black and white. I have to assume that they were in black and white. But yeah, D- Goliath was a dog that was a talking dog. And he always had the stupidest sounding voice that I can remember. Like, well, I don't know, Davy. That doesn't sound like a good idea to me. Yeah, well, and we also talked about Davy and Goliath's alternate, uh, more oral. Moral oral, uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. we actually uh, we actually mentioned Hal Smith back on our Mickey's Christmas Carol episode because he was the, uh, the one who was goofy in that. It was kind of his only time he was goofy. Yeah. And and I remember us talking about how different his Goofy yeah. is versus he the sound, other. He sounds more like a hick than Goofy ever did. Yeah, yeah, and the, his <laughs> his replacement was more the the Pinto Corvig type. Yeah, uh, and and let's also mention Magical Dispel. She was a sorceress. She's not covered in these couple episodes, but we will be talking about her next week. She's voiced by June Foray, which we discussed last week as 
the voice of uh, Grammy Gummy. Yeah. Right? Prolific and voice actress. She has been um, the voice of Granny uh, since 1955. Uh, Granny's the old lady who is always in the Sylvester the Cat cartoons. Sylvester and Tweety. Yeah, and she's the voice of uh, Jokey Smurf. And uh, and she also is Rocky the Flying Squirrel. Yeah. There's there's this other character um, named Potispell who's her brother and a familiar. He's a he's a he's uh, a raven. A raven. And I just want to mention it because it's fucking Frank Welker. Of course it is. Yeah. Because uh, if it's an animal, it's Frank. If it's Welker. an animal, and you don't know who it is. It's Frank Welker. So then let's we got meet. The, we got the Beagle Boys. Go ahead. So we got the Beagle Boys who are a uh, family group of criminals. They are uh, throwbacks from the original uh, comic books, the, uh, the, the Scrooge McDuck comic books. For the most part, the Beagle Boys are essentially, they're, they're the ones that want to break into Scrooge's money bin. Because if you don't know, Scrooge has a giant money bin where he doesn't invest in banks or anything. He, he doesn't have a, uh, a checking account or anything. He keeps all of his cash liquid and keeps it in a giant bin in the center of town. So the Beagle Boys a lot of times will try to break into the money bin to steal because it's just essentially like a Fort Knox with a bunch of gold and dollars and whatever. I have a lot to say about the money bin next week. Yeah. Uh. So you have the, the, the three Beagle Boys that we are introduced to in the first five episodes are Big Time, which is the leader of the Beagle Boys. Um, he he's is the, kind of short. Yeah. He's the smallest one, but one. he's the smartest one. And, and it's Frank Walker. You could tell it's Frank Walker's voice. Yeah. As near as I can figure, we've hit Scrooge's money bin 299 times. Then you have Big Time, which is also voiced by Frank Welker. He is a big, giant, like, bruiser, essentially. Even though there's a bruiser, there's a bruiser beagle, too. But Big Time is like a big, oafy, like, muscle guy. Hmm. Well, 300's the charm. And then you have... Also Frank Welker. Yeah, and then you have Burger Beagle, who is a comic relief character that just eats stuff. Yeah! But first, we gotta get out of here. Yeah, his his character is the one that I remember most um, because there are episodes revolving around Burger and um, Chuck McCann. We obviously just mentioned also, but he his voice is the the sort of whiny one, and he's always hungry. His belly sticks out underneath of his shirt. Um, he has a bite taken out yeah. of his uh, out of his prisoner they're, number. They're all red, by the way. They all have red shirts. They're all anthropomorphic dogs, yeah. right? Red and they, shirts, and they have they have domino masks on. Yes, and then they all have like a white, uh, like almost letterbox across the yeah. center it's of their a, chest. It's like a their, placard with their prisoner number. With their prisoner number, and they're they're kind of run by a mob eagle that we're not going to mention uh, in any of these episodes. But she's actually like a major character. She. Uh, I think she can at one point uh, convince Scrooge to marry her. No, she she um, pretends that that Scrooge has been married so that she can yeah, so inherit she can get his money. money. Yeah, there's episodes where she pretends to be like a sweet old lady. It's uh, the voice is June Foray. You know what? Now that you um, mentioned that, I remember the episode where she convinces Scrooge that that they got married. Yeah. she poses for a bunch of pictures without Scrooge knowing it, like in the background when Scrooge is doing stuff. So it looks like they actually got married. Yeah, and Scrooge, for months she's yeah, doing it, and Scrooge can't remember. And she, she tries to say he's got amnesia or whatever. Yeah, there's a bunch of them um, voiced by, like, Peter Kellen and Terry McGovern and Brian Cummings and Don Metzik. There's, um, so you got Bebop Bu uh, or Bugle uh, Beagle, who's, like, the jazz musician. You got Babyface. Uh, Baggy Beagle, who's the sort of baggy-dressed one. Um, there's there's Megabyte Beagle. Um, they essentially, it's, it's like, 
the Beagles are like the Smurfs. Like, and there are other branches of Beagle Boy cousins too. It, it gets crazy. Yeah, the, the the Beagle Boys are essentially, like I said, like the Smurfs, where each of them, ha- like, there could be, there's essentially an infinite number of them, and they each have a specialty that they that they're. Yeah, sort like of. You you have Jokey and Gr- and and Grouchy and like they they have a personality or a specialty that is inherent in their name in order to further that episode. Whatever story. the plot yeah, is, yeah. yeah. The last villain, there's a bunch of them, but the last one that I think we should mention today is a main villain for this five episode story arc. His name is El Capitan. He's a former captain who is insane about gold. My gold, my and, gold. <laughs> yeah, and he's. And it's, it's you know what's interesting is that he's he's Spanish like a Spaniard. They hint that he's like four hundred year he's like four hundred years old. Uh, he was like a captain of a Spanish galleon yeah. who was kept alive solely by willpower and quote gold fever. Yeah, uh, he is crazy, and he's voiced by Jim Cummings, yeah. who we mentioned last episode uh, as a replacement voice for Zummy Gummy. Um, we discussed yeah. him extensively as the voice of Darkwing Duck, and we will be discussing him again in a couple weeks. It's the voice of Don Carnage and Louie on Tailspin. Yeah, so uh, we've mentioned Jim Cummings a ton. Yeah, we don't um, we don't need to go back into Jim Cummings, but he is. He no, is, I I think we'll discuss him more on when he's Don Carnage because for me, I think Jim Cummings and Don Carnage are so together. Yeah, same thing with Darkwing. So, um, so the first episode that it's called "Give Up the Ship." This is the part one, the the treasure of the Golden Sun, part one. Uh, don't give up the ship. This is the one where Scrooge has to get to an appointment. And there is, uh, when they end up at the factory, he, he's got his nephews with him at that point. He's at this factory and, uh, he, he's got this employee who's sitting at his desk and whistling. Uh, and he goes, You, there'll be no whistling while you work. But, 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 but Mr. McDuck, I wasn't working. I, I mean, what? <laughs> and there's, I, I really like these little moments where they have characters who are like really fast. Yeah, yeah You know, yeah. they have these like little quips that kind of come out of nowhere. There's this, uh, there's another part that I really like when um, he ends up back at his office and he's like kind of, I think, uh, ir- I think he was irritated about the nephews or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, send in the solicitors. Yeah, he goes, um, <laughs> I need to cheer up. Send in the solicitors. Uh, Mr. McDuck, uh, would you care to contribute to the retired panhandlers of America? No. <laughs> <laughs> Next. Um, can you spare a... <laughs> oh, I can do this all day. <laughs> Next. Yeah, and essentially they're all people asking him for money, and he just, like... Either sprays them with water or drops them through a trap door or something. He's <laughs> yeah. just like, and he, every time he does it, he's like, ha, 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 that was amazing. And one of them almost, uh, he almost gets rid of, but he's like a scout leader for the junior woodchucks. Uh, so he did kind of, this is where the junior woodchucks get into. And I love that the junior woodchuck guidebook, which is their thing, that. The Junior Woodchuck Guidebook, I think, is the sort of Dave's. Oh, talk, absolutely! You know? Because whenever, whatever problem arises, it doesn't matter what it is. There's they can they can transmute gold, or they can uh, translate a an old language that's long dead and yeah. not in existence, yeah. or you know they they, they can understand uh, space aliens. I mean, there's oh, just it's so ridiculous. Yeah, uh, I but I love the Junior Woodchuck thing. It's, it's so like I think what um, little kids imagine 
being a Boy Scout actually what they think being a Boy Scout is instead of what it actually ends up being, which is like uh, sitting in somebody's living room, like uh, talking about tying knots and stuff, and occasionally camping. Yeah, but I think kids weaving think, uh, weaving bracelets. Yeah, and I think like before kids do uh, Boy Scouts, they think that they're going to be this you know learning how to. Build a ship and all kinds of other crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of ships, so the 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 whole plot line of these first five episodes is essentially you have El Capitan who wants the Beagles. He breaks the Beagles out of jail to get them to steal a ship, a model ship from Scrooge's museum, because that ship we come to find out is a treasure map to this lost treasure uh, the, in a real ship. In a real ship. So he breaks them out and hijinks ensue and the Beagle Boys end up getting defeated. But a la another George Lucas uh, uh, property, Indiana Jones, half of the map is transferred onto some chocolate. Half of the boat. Yeah, Yeah. half of the boat, the map, gets transferred onto some chocolate just like the amulet gets burned into What's-His-Face's hand in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And so they, they, they know how to get there. They go searching for this treasure over the course of like three or four episodes. And they get sidetracked at different points, but yeah. yeah, they wind up in they wind up in South America. They wind up in Antarctica. Yeah, they're like all over the place. There's this um, line that Scrooge McDuck is very famous for, and you'll see it actually in the previews for the new show. Uh, it's what Scrooge claims to be known for. And how do you explain your phenomenal wealth, Mr. McDuck? Simple. I made it by being smarter than the smarties and tougher than the tubbies. And this is how he explains how he was able to accumulate so much wealth. Yes. And the thing that I remember reading, I think it was Rosa or Barks. um, It might have been Barks was saying that they were very adamant about making sure that Scrooge achieved his wealth through legitimate means. Yeah. That his wealth never came from dishonesty. That maybe he cared about money too much. Maybe he was a little too much capitalist. Not enough caring about his family. But that it was always... He never cheated anybody to get money. And he says that. He says that he made every penny square. Yes. He's very proud of that. But he says that... And then he does things like... He drops Burger Beagle into a vat of molten hot caramel. Yeah. (laughs) which, Which would kill him. That doesn't seem on the up and up. Yeah. Where'd he go? To a tank of caramel. <laughs> Hot caramel. <laughs> Dick move, Uncle Scrooge. Dick move. But it's okay. Burger probably liked it. He might, He probably ate it all. Yeah. Uh, the next episode, did you notice the spelling of this episode? The wrong way to wrong way? Wrong way in wrong way. W-R-O-N-G-U-A-Y in R-O-N-G-U-A-Y. Yeah, uh, so, I thought that was really funny. So it's like in Paraguay. fact, all the episodes have like kind of weird descriptions like that. Yeah, uh, we've talked about other shows that had uh, episode names like Darkwing was very prevalent. Uh, yeah, they had a lot this, of puns. Yeah, a lot of puns in the naming stuff. Um, this is the episode where we get introduced to Fl- uh, Flintheart Glumgold, um, who sort of teams up with El Capitan. Yeah, and and he buys he buys the destroyed uh, chocolate factory because he for knows two million dollars for two and million. Just yeah. stoked. Yeah, he's like, oh, it's going to cost you that much just to clean it. Yeah, but 
he obviously does it because he wants this giant collection of gold. Yeah. Um, this is the first... Because essentially, the reason that he buys it is because there is a, like I said, the half The model, imprint. The imprint of the, of the ship yeah. in the chocolate. So that's why he wants to buy it. Even though, how could that not have just melted away? It's not like the, it's not like the whole... Uh, there are so many times it was like, why didn't this just melt away? Because uh, yeah. at some point, they end up in a desert and they sit the thing down on a hot rock. And I'm like, why yeah. didn't the chocolate melt? But the horse eats the chocolate or whatever. Yeah, the horse eats it or whatever, the donkey, a llama, whatever it is. There's This is the first episode where the two of them have a rivalry. Yeah. So they have this this thing where um, they, they, they're going to compete over who's the richest two we- within the next two weeks. Yeah. And whoever makes the most money from, from scratch, from nothing. Yeah, within two weeks. And, and the loser had to eat Glumgold's hat. No, they had to eat their own hat. Because Glumgold oh. has a hat and Scrooge has a hat. That's right. And Glumgold right. has to end up eating his hat because Scrooge wins. Because Scrooge always wins. The, the thing, one of the things I liked about this episode is they fly to Rongaway on Rongaway Airlines. Ergo, the name of the episode. Yeah. Which I, I thought was kind of funny. And they end they're up on actually, Rongaway Airlines. Yeah, and they actually end up going the wrong way. Yeah, and they have to, they end up doing all this stuff and, and they end up, with Flynn Hart trying to blow up Scrooge, and and then he's incentivized not to kill Scrooge because his map, get, the chocolate Sean just mentioned, gets eaten. Scrooge has all these um, random sayings where he's like, I used to blank in blank. I learned to do blank there. Yeah. Like, like I remember back in the gold rush, I did blanky blank. That's where I yeah. learned blah, blah, blah. At one point, um, he says that he used, he learned something while looking for uranium in... In, like, South America or something. Yeah, and there's another one where he talks about, um, like, making a Malaysian umbrella. Oh, yeah. I learned how to make these while hunting uranium in Borneo. It's called a Malaysian umbrella. He has all these weird sayings that I don't... I don't know if their intention was to just make Scrooge sound crazy. Well, essentially, um, Scrooge... Or or just kind of a, a gloaty dickbag. Essentially, Scrooge is a... Globetrotting uh, trillionaire. Yeah, a globetrotting trillionaire whose portfolio is about as diversified as you can get. He has obviously chocolate factories. He has bas- he has like tons fishing tons, companies. Yeah, tons of his money in liquid assets that is stocked up in his money bin. He has uranium. Apparently, he deals with nuclear power or nu- at least nuclear mining. Yeah, so he, he's got a ton he's got a of money. lot of stuff going, which is the reason why he's the richest duck in the world. Yeah, you know what though? Scrooge also has like some good. You talked about the launch pad lines. Scrooge has some good lines too. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, like there's this one. That uh, there's this one where uh, the they're in this cave hiding from the Beagle Boys or mm-hmm. not Beagle Boys, um, the El Capitan and, and, and yeah. El Capitan, and they come in and they've got their Junior Woodchuck alarm set up and they go, "Our Junior Woodchuck alarm, robbers, thieves, politicians," <laughs> uh, which is a Scrooge line. Yeah, uh, he's the one who says that. God, man, that's really smart. And there's also this line. Um, where they go, we're trapped like rats in a goldfish bowl. Uh, but that's a Huey, Dewey, and Louie line. Yeah. Like, they have these really odd, like, <clears throat> lines that sometimes either don't make sense or are really kind of almost too adult for a kid show. Like, I don't know what eight-year-old is like, yeah. Um, politicians suck. Politicians are like robbers and thieves. Uh, let's get political. Uh, I don't know. It's 
there's stuff for adults here too. Yeah. Uh, there definitely is stuff for adults. The third episode, uh, Ducks of the Condor. I really like this episode. Yeah. Um, this one was really fun. There's like this whole like interlude with uh, like this. Scrooge gets, so at the end of the last episode, they actually find the galleon that has like all the gold on it. And, and uh, Scrooge ends up getting thrown off the galleon with the boys with by Glomgold and and El Capitan and uh Flint Glom- tosses him a Yeah, a tosses coin. him a, a doubloon essentially saying, "Here, let let me never say never say that I didn't give you anything." So El Capitan gets pissed at him and shoots a cannonball at him which sinks the boat yeah. and all of his gold. Yeah, so he's got this coin and the the point of the second the third episode is he's trying to find out more about the coin because it is a coin. It is part of the treasure of the Valley of the Golden Sun and it's only the second yeah. coin of it to ever be to ever be uh unearthed and so he goes to some south american country to find out more about it where he finds a uh this conquistador guy who has essentially enslaved the native like mayan people meanwhile they left the the boys back with mrs uh beasley yeah Uh, and mrs beakley yeah and they pick up donald because he has shore leave yeah and you know there's something that i thought was kind of funny when they get left with mrs beakley because apparently she can tell the boys apart which as i mentioned is a Something I could never accomplish yeah. as a kid. Um, and they even comment on it. And they say, how can she tell us apart? Yeah. You're wearing different colors. <laughs> like, well, yeah, you're wearing different colors. But they sound the same. And they're always like, I don't know. They're interchangeable. They're like clones of each other. At one point, at one point, uh, I thought it was funny. And I think it's the fourth episode in Antarctica. When they get captured. And Huey, Dewey, and Louie stand on each other's shoulders to look into the other cell. And they see Scrooge. And Scrooge looks up, and and they've been stripped of all their clothes, and it's literally just a head looking through bars. Scrooge looks up and goes, "Huey, thank goodness!" I'm like, you could tell that it was, you could tell an identical triplet just from his head. That's well, and it's not like they're even drawn slightly different. No, they they're are, drawn exactly. The they're same. like just full clones of each other. Did did you notice the names of the conquistadors? Did, yeah, uh, walking so, slowly. Yeah, it, it's the that's the name of the conquistador. And his ancestor's name was Marcin Slowly. Yeah. <laughs> and they've been there for like 400 years, essentially manipulating these natives. Um, these and, stupid savages. Yeah, and they turn the helicopter into like this uh, like wing-flapping plane with oars. Uh, and there's this like whole segment about that. And there's uh, there's also a, a like a boy are my arms tired line. Yeah. <laughs> a black don't you usually salute a superior officer, Duck? He's up, Lieutenant. <laughs> Can't you see he just flew in from the Andes? Oh boy, oh boy, I'm tired. Uh, where right he goes, can't you see he just flew in from the Andes? And boy, are my arms tired. Yeah, that's Donald that says that. It's so stupid. They also make fun of the fact that Donald's voice is, like, incomprehensible. That actually, I thought was the funniest part of that whole episode, is is every time Donald says something, then someone else there goes, what did he say? And then usually it's Scrooge will say, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like... All right, you interfering old duck. I want that coin before you ruin my hold over these backward savages. What did he say? I'll handle this, Donald. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but but uh, Launchpad goes. What's the matter with his voice? I grab him by the neck or something? Yeah, because he the the plane that Gyro builds him has like this grappling arm, and he grabs Donald. 
and, and they throws pull him, him up. into the yeah, and that's when he says, "Did I grab him by the did I grab him by the throat or something?" What's yeah, it, there's really? like yeah, there's a that lot one, of that one. That line made me laugh a lot. Well, and then the next episode, the um, Antarctica one, the, the cold duck episode. This is where they all end up sneaking for whatever reason. They all end up sneaking onto the plane. Um, Mrs. Beasley, uh, Webby, the boys. Uh, I keep saying uh, Beasley. I don't know why I say Beasley. Beakley. Yeah. 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 Um, and they they encounter this um, this walrus that she tries to heal like a dog. And Launchpad crashes at one point, and he says, "Hey, nice landing. On a scale of one to ten, I'd give it a C plus." Yeah. Like like that made no sense at all. And Launchpad actually has a bunch of these. They they end up finding this uh, this penguin society that doesn't like colors. That's where no, they love know. colors. They just they capture colors. Yeah, but they don't allow other people to have them. No, exactly. Yeah. And that's that's where they end up in prison, as you were mentioning before. Yeah. Um. They release. They end up releasing this like saber toothed, woolly walrus that terrorizes the town. This is the episode that. Uh, I had something to talk about. Uh-oh, what is it? So, at some point, they all get kidnapped, and Mrs. Beakley and Webby decide to hide with their new friend Skittles. The, I think I know where you're the going. The penguin. I'm sure you do. <laughs> and they hide with Skittles in her fa- with her family, and Mrs. Be- Mrs. Beakley helps Webby disguise herself by putting her in blackface. Yes, he does. Full on DuckTales blackface she uses, to look like a big black penguin. And I thought, she uses oh, coal dust to. My God. This episode, um, there a- are so many similarities to Western and indigenous culture interactions. Like, hey, we destroyed your home, but here are some blankets and some shiny colors and some junk for compensation. We're going to leave it a rubble, like yeah. a flaming rubble, but, there you know, a- accept our blankets of. Fuck me, this episode is There like, was another line. There was I don't another, know. Do you think that was intentional? No, I don't think so. There was a there was another line that Skittles' mom says after after she encounters Webby in blackface. Uh, she she <laughs> says she says to like Skittles is like, oh, this is my new friend Webby. And she's like, oh, Skittles, see, I told you you'd make a friend and you were worried and blah, blah, blah. And as she's leaving, she's like, uh, what did she say? She's going to get a Webicure. Like, instead of a pedicure. Oh, yeah, yeah, So, as she's leaving, the mom says something along the lines of, like, that poor girl, she's going to need a bill, or she's going to need, a like, a beak job in, in a little bit or something. Oh, God. Because Webby's beak looks different than the penguin's It's huge. Beaks. Yeah. yeah, like a duck bill. Yeah. It's, it's like a duck bill. Yeah, like. she says something to the effect of, like, that girl's going to need, essentially, like, a nose job. Well, you two play. I'm going out to get a weather cure. Poor kid's going to need a beak job when she grows up. Oh god, this episode it, it's a good episode, but but there's like that the blackface thing is like it's so cringy. You can't not notice it. Yeah. And, but this is where they get the other half of the map sort of. The map gets destroyed, but Webby draws a new one with crayons. Uh and then the last episode, which this is the one that I remember the most. This is the one I think that a lot of people remember out of out of the entire It's also the one art. that they show uh scenes of in the intro. The intro, yeah. And this is the one with the snake that you mentioned earlier where they, they, they fly over this river with El Capitan and then uh, he kind of gets thrown into some water with some boats. A bunch of them almost get eaten by crocodiles. And we find out that Scrooge has gold fever. Yeah, now, he's suffering from gold fever, which somehow Mrs. Beakley knows all the symptoms of. Yes. It's so, like... It's gold fever. This is the first stage. There's, yeah, they, they encounter, like, they're going along and they encounter 
um, like booby traps and stuff. This episode reminds me a lot of Indiana Jones. Yeah, no, it's it's just like Raiders, and like so. The, the point of this episode is they're, they're, they found the map, they found where they need to go, and they, they want to find the real treasure of the Valley of the Golden Sun. So they go, they go to the location, they manage to avoid the booby traps. Not for nothing, uh, Scrooge ends up getting like... Scrooge is increasingly more uh, careless because he has the gold fever. He the, the whole point of gold fever is that you end up caring more about gold and money and whatever than you do about what really matters, which is family. And so they find they find the, the Valley of the Golden Sun. They find all this gold everywhere. And they end up, a la Temple of Doom and, and Raiders, they end up setting off a bunch of traps inside, which essentially traps them in there. And it's, they're traps that, it's always that thing where you, you have this like ancient civilization that is able to make these really sophisticated traps. like That last for thousands of years. Yeah, like, just like uh, in Goonies, you have these traps that lasted for hundreds of years that are super sophisticated engineering wise that these that these pirates made. It's essentially the same thing. You've got these, these Mayans or Incas or whatever, whoever they're supposed to be, who have created these traps over this molten river of gold that... If you open up all three doors, which what's the point of having the three doors if you open all of them at once? I don't know. So there's three doors that they find where the one of the, one of them is a room full of gold dust, one of them is a room full of the gold coins, and then the third one is a room full of gold bricks. And when they open all three of them, it sets off a trap that essentially buries the entire valley, which is stupid. Yeah, it, it is stupid. And, and the thing is, too, that they describe at one point um, when they're... When they get into the mountain with all the gold, okay, you've got um, these giant gold coins that are like the width of, say, two Suburbans placed bumper to bumper. Oh, no, they're, they're, I think they're bigger than that. They're huge. Are they? Well, yeah. well, well Scrooge says that they're about 2.3 tons. Yeah. And of gold, of pure gold. Of pure gold. Now, while you were talking, I calculated just that per coin. Per giant disc or coin, 2.3 tons, roughly, I'm just going to round here, is $10 billion. I counted the coins. There's 10 of them. So $100 billion. So $100 billion just in the coins. And then the... Um, I, There's then, a temple that's made out of pure gold, too. Yes. So then on top of that, you've got a, a giant building that Scrooge says could be melted down... Um, and made into seven solid gold statues of liberty, one for each day of the week. So seven t uh, seven solid gold statues. How many tons of gold would that be? We're talking trillions of dollars <laughs> of gold in this volcano. Yeah. Plus there's plus there's just molten gold inside the volcano. Which yes, is, which the is entire like the, volcano yeah. is filled with molten gold. Yeah. And and so this you end up with with them setting off the trap. You end up. With the scene from the intro where Scrooge it's and also El very uh, like Indiana Jones yeah. too, where Scrooge and El Capitan are running away from a collapsing floor, and then they jump, and then they get saved, and then more traps happen that end up trying to push them into the into the lava, the molten yeah. molten gold, and they end up climbing out. And eventually, what happens is uh, Launchpad saves them. It's really a dot, like it's really a, a depressing scene where Scrooge and Beakley have. The kids all on their shoulder and El Capitan's all tied up. And essentially the entire 
temple had melted into the lava gold. And then uh, dirt collapses and tons of... Uh... Well, no, no, no. So they're standing there and they've essentially just given up. Well, Mrs. Beakley, I'm sorry to have gotten you and the kids into this mess. Well, that's all right, Mr. McDuck. You couldn't help yourself. No, but thank goodness you could. Goodbye, Beakley. They're like, you know, I'm really sorry that I got you guys into this. Like, this is a, you know, I, I shouldn't have been here. Oh, you that know, part, it, yeah. It's been like a, it's one of those things where it's been a pleasure working with you, Dr. Stance. Like, where they're gonna, they know they're gonna die, and then... Or they think they are. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, Launchpad shows up at the last second and saves them, and saves all of them. And then the, sh the, the plane ends up getting blasted with gold. Covered in gold. Covered in gold, so they have a solid gold sh uh, plane now, which is a giant cargo plane. It's like a C-130, yeah. sort of, but, but bigger somehow. yeah. So the, that's the, that's the, the only goal that they end up taking away. The thing that I didn't understand about this episode is El Capitan, uh, like, he ends up, like, wanting to try and dig it up. He's, like, digging it up by hand. He's, yeah. And they're like, it's going to take him another 400 years to get to the gold. And I was thinking, okay, first of all, you're Scrooge McDuck. And again, I'm going to discuss how much money I think Scrooge actually has. Because it's... In the it's next a, episode. Yeah, in the next episode. Because it's a, it's a ridiculous amount of... It's unreal. Like, we're talking... U.S. GDP, like multiple sizes of U.S. GDP. <laughs> okay, he's got trillions of dollars, and this volcano could essentially double his yeah, his he his, could, he could his have, wealth. He could easily just get the so excavation. He could, equipment. Yes, he could get the excavation equipment. Let's just say it cost him a trillion dollars to dig it up. There's already, say, several trillion dollars. You'll double your money just digging it up at, yeah. at the minimum. Yeah, well... And, minimum. Well, the whole point of the episode is that he realizes that family is more important than fortune. And that's well, like the, that's the culmination of his character arc through these five episodes. Is that... But, yeah. But then at the end of it, Launchpad's like... Like, oh, talk I, about there's yeah. a gold coin there's, something. I heard something there's some gold doubloons off of the coast of Java. And he goes... And then he starts hiccuping again because that's one of the signs of gold fever. Yeah. So... The, Overall, like, I have to say that these first five episodes were probably some of, to start a series. To the strongest five episodes to start. I yeah. The, you, you have a, you have a, you have five episodes that introduce characters, introduce like their personalities and, and who they are. I'd say. And you introduce every main character in the show, essentially. I would say the only other, um, like episode arc that I think like has a, as comprehensive of a story of the shows that we've watched so far, um, the first six episodes of Gem has yeah. a super like um, in-depth story arc that covers all kinds of stuff that makes you emotionally invest yourself into the characters and creates this mythos and this world. And uh, for DuckTales, it does it way better because it really only kind of scratches the surface. Yeah. It exposes all of these things and all of these little nuances and you're like, I just want more. I want to know where else they're going to go. It's this big world, this fantastic place to explore. It's kind of the same feeling that I got um, with Gummy Bears in that there's this giant world that, that can now be built upon yeah. to explore and there are endless possibilities. Yeah, and, and Eleanor loves this show, right? Oh my God. So... She, we've been watching DuckTales kind of a little bit here and there, off and on over the last year. So this is not... I did not take a jump into the DuckTales rabbit hole all of a sudden for us, for this episode. I've been watching them, you know, a little bit here and there over the last year. I already watched these five episode... Uh, this five point. episode arc, like, maybe eight months ago already. 
I, I, it's my favorite section of the, I mean, I pick some more episodes for next week, but these five episodes for me are like one episode and it is my favorite episode of the show. That's like fair. easily. And, and Eleanor for sure loves the show, but she likes, uh, Magica Dispel. Uh, she also really likes, uh, well, she likes all the villains. Yeah. Um, well, she always likes villains. Yeah. She likes the Shakespeare episode, which we're not going to cover, but it's also one of my favorites. Uh, I almost picked that one. Uh, but the Shakespeare episode is a good one. Uh, the, the Bermuda Triangle episode is a good one. Uh, the one where Magicka Dispel uh, has the shape-shifting um, shadow is a good one. I remember that. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's so many. So I've watched a lot of DuckTales uh, recently. So, yeah, she she had no problem rewatching these with me. Um, although, lately, we've been watching the... Um, Rankin and Bass, uh, Return of the King was what we watched yesterday. Uh, that's what I was texting yeah, you about. <laughs> he sent me a, saying he sent me a picture of her en- zoned out, zoned out, to completely engrossed in the in the show. I paused it to like to do something. She got mad. It's <laughs> like, Daddy, why did you stop the movie? I'm watching this, you know. And I was like, Whoa, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm watching it too, and I have to do something. God. But she gets mad at me if I if we're watching Ducktales. Like I watch an episode, and if I stop for us to go do something, she goes, "But Daddy, I wanted to watch more." It's like, I get that, but we have some place to go. <laughs> and she's like, "No, but I'm watching Ducktales." It's like I get that this is how you could spend all afternoon. Me too, but I got to go to Costco. Yeah. <laughs> well, ulti- ultimately, I think that's that's the, like her endorsement of the show is is the reason. Like, this is a show that. You could show to someone, you could show the original ones from 1987, you could show them now, and you would have kids that would watch this and be completely content to watch it, which is probably why, probably one of the reasons that they went and remade it. Probably. Because yeah. it's, the the writing in the show is, is really good. The animation is amazing for the time. The, the animation is super great, and it, it, it speaks to how much money and time Disney actually put into the production of this show, because they wanted to make it a good show. Yeah. They wanted it to be something special. And that really shines through because it is something special. Yeah. They're, they did put a lot of extra money into this. And we can discuss that a little bit next week because yeah. uh, there, there's so there's so much to talk about. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the thing is, is I think if all you're going to watch is these first five episodes. It's a good way to jump in. The way to yeah. recommend it is to just start with these five. And you can, this is the, I will say, you can absolutely binge these. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Because they're, they're episodic and the, the, the formula doesn't get old, really. They were, I think, at one point, they were put out uh, as like a preview or something. I want to say they were put out as a preview as, as like a uh, like a two-hour special. I don't, I don't remember. I think it was this or it was... Um, tailspin hmm. one of the two i think it was tailspin actually i changed that uh i think it was tailspin the first five episodes were put out as like a like a special tv special but yeah but but this one you could have been too yeah I mean, for sure yeah uh, so highly recommended next week we're gonna go into our per- personal favorite or at least most remembered episodes yeah that, we're each that picking we wanted- two yeah and, and I, a bunch of production and yeah. behind-the-scenes stuff, trivia, video game, yeah, this merchandising. Is, this is a show that you can't really do in one episode because it is so iconic and it has such a such a like strong place in a lot of people's hearts. Yeah, just as a heads up, for those of you who uh, maybe listened to some of our early episodes and maybe skipped ahead, uh, the, the way that we're kind of doing this now is, for the most part, we're kind of sticking around one episode per show. Unless it's something that... Like this that could easily eat up multiple episodes you could do an entire podcast series on this show yeah no we totally could i think we talked about that at one point yeah but you could totally do a series just on ducktales and and so we're gonna try and do it in two episodes and see how it goes yeah uh but then we'll be back to single episodes 
moving forward and we have something maybe coming up in the future so we'll, yeah. we'll see but so th- that'll do it for this episode yeah if you want to find us and talk to us on twitter our twitter handle is at remastered cast that is at remastered cast you can also find us on facebook just search for childhood remastered please rate us five stars on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts the rating really helps us out yeah and we'd also like to thank john howarth for the use of our intro music nascent you can find links to his SoundCloud on our website, childhoodremastered.com. So until next time, the next episode, when we go over our uh, favorite, most memorable episodes of DuckTales, this is Sean. And Chris. And this has been your Childhood Remastered. We will see you next time. 